Welcome back to the Nola Rowe Experience Podcast. I am your host, Nola Rowe, and I'm here with Mr. Melee. Wish goody. It's <laughs> <laughs> happening. Everything is good. Everything's good? Everything is always good. That's good. That's good. Sometimes we're a little bit challenged and it feels uncomfortable, but those yeah. things are also there for your benefit somehow. So everything is mm-hmm. always good. Do you notice something different about me? Did you lose weight? No, I might have gained a little some. The shirt! I'm so loud. <laughs> wow. Shout out to Front Road Apparel, baby. So, for the people who are not able to see, Mr. Melee is um, wearing a super cute t shirt, dope black it is, dad. It is super cute. Yeah, I love, I love it. the design. The design dope is black awesome. dad. Um, the colors are great. Yeah. Well, I designed the shirt, but of course it wasn't an original design. Ivory said, Hey, I would like, um, here's some inspiration. Can you recreate something that looks like this? And I'm like, it's not going to be identical because I don't know if I'm going to be able to find the exact fonts and the the color match and all that stuff, but I will do my best. And it looks pretty darn but good. But you recreate, you recreated this. Yes, I did from scratch. That's well, it's not, and this is your design. You might've maybe take, taken a few, things from the other one but if you did this all and typed all the letters i did all the the shapes in the spots that they need to be yeah nah this is your design this is i had to figure out how to get the color behind the p and the b and the a that was like like, how am i gonna do that and then i did it and i was like photoshop um canva oh canva okay okay nah this is dope this is very dope thank you i appreciate it i appreciate your your hard work and effort because it's cool and it's a nice right uh size that i like yeah it looks good on you i love it eh. nice eh, eh. have you been working out through this whole thing because there's some people who have been gaining weight like me and then there's some people who like they've turned into workout monsters i have not i did start with it because you know when it when this whole thing started everybody was like push up challenge yeah let's do stuff while we home push up so <laughs> i was a part of that wave and that i wave think passed. the first i think the first wave of covid um it gave some of us this boost because now we're home a lot we're hanging out with people that we missed and all that stuff. And then after a while, I was like, okay, guys, all right. <laughs> yeah, now they're like, open up the gyms. What happened to that energy? Well, keep that same energy that yeah. y'all was talking about. Do these push-up challenges. Keep that same energy. Now they like, open up the goddamn gym. Wow, it's been crazy. Um, a lot of people are home with uh i remember listening to a press conference with governor governor uh should i say his name of new york cuomo (laughs) the governor Um, of new york the governor of new york um (laughs) look it up so um his first name starts with an a but anyway um (laughs) so he uh he said something and like I couldn't hear anything else after that. He said, I know a lot of you are not used to being with your kids. Oh, I did hear him say that. He be heating. And I was like, 
But that's true. It's true. That's, that's the point. True. It's true. Yeah. That's the whole point. Like from the time your kid, well, for some babies start daycare as infants. Uh huh. For some pre- people, daycare, pre-K, kindergarten, first grade. It's like your liter- your whole life you're being babysat by other people. Wow, and it's like maybe 12 hours of the day you're not with your kids mm-hmm. and then when they come home at whatever time sometimes the parents come home after yeah most yeah most most likely and then let's say you come home around seven or six and your kids go to bed at nine during wow. those two or three hours, you're basically getting them ready for bed, feeding them, doing homework. And although that's some form of interaction, to me, it's not as in-depth and intimate enough because you're still hustling uh-huh. and bustling, preparing for the next day. And yeah. then the next morning, maybe you have breakfast. Some people don't yeah. even have that where, yeah. you know, we have breakfast together and then the kids go off to school. Some people leave home before the kids wake up. Mm-hmm. And then you come home and do that all over again, except for the weekends. And then you have some people who work six days, seven days, and they don't see their kids for yeah. more than two or three hours a day. Facts. I knew before I got pregnant that I didn't want that. Uh-huh. I knew, and I never had it. My son has never been to daycare. Wow. Ever. And I fought against it. There were times when we looked like his dad and I, we visited daycares. We did all these different things, um, trying to figure out, okay, so maybe I'm going to go to work or whatever. But for the first two years of his life, mm-hmm. I was home. I pretty much started a business when I was pregnant Mm. and that carried me through. And then when he was two years old, that's when I started um, really getting back out into the world and doing like hardcore work. And even during those times, being a homeschool mom, he was always with me for the most part. Yeah. So there was never really a significant amount of time when my son and I were not together. Mm. And that shit requires hella patience. Oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> it's a lot of patience, man. That's I think, really dope. Yeah. I, and, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't. It breaks my heart. I think it, it would make me sick. I think I would probably go into a depression if I had to be away from my child 12 hours out of the day and only see them for two or three hours um, and then uh, have that go on for pretty much most of their life. Yeah. You know, yeah, their, their young life. life. Um, that crucial time in a child's life from, you know, birth to age seven when they're really being formed. Like, that time span is really the time that will dictate what happens for the rest of your life. Mm. 
and it, it just broke my heart the thought of even having to to not be with him but i also feel like that heartbreak and um that determination to make sure that i was with him a lot is because of my upbringing where i did not i was going to ask you that mhm i didn't spend a lot of time with my parents uh-huh i didn't i i um for one i met my father when i was 19 wow Mhm. I met my dad at age 19 and then um I also didn't spend a lot of time with my mom as a little girl and uh cuz she's working. Mhm. Mm yeah. And she's working and um you know and then there was a a chunk of time when my mom left me in Guyana which is such a a typical or a common thing that people from other countries do where they mm -hmm. leave their kids back home. come to the united states to create a better life and then mm -hmm. bring them after and then bring them yeah and for the most part that doesn't work for the most part it does not work in terms of the relationship and the bond oh. and stuff like that mm -mm. yeah it kind of backfires because it's kind of like yeah you have these things you have these luxuries and the material stuff in um great circumstances and maybe nice schools and stuff you're able to afford mm -hmm. but the love has the love is wavering you know the 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 bond is wavering and the connection is probably non-existent so then yeah those material things end up not meaning, meaning much yeah yeah I, i'm pretty sure to them i mean not to say that not to say it's not about love but to them it, i feel like that almost is love them it saying is. like i'm going to set the, I'm going to prepare this house for you. I'm going to get get you all these things. To them that is love. It's another yeah. level of sacrifice because love yes. is, you know, a, a part of loving is a, a sacrificial, sacrifice. right? Mm -hmm. And um I I I know that that, that was my mother's way of right, showing yeah. her love on a different level where I am willing to do this thing. to make sure that my family is good um but it doesn't resonate that way with a child sure the child doesn't process it that way the kid is mm -hmm. just like i want my mom and i want my dad yeah. so for me um you know growing up without my parents during those very very um important years yeah it definitely molded me a certain way man and um you know shout out to my dad who you know he's in my life now and we're cool um but there's still that disconnect you know like no matter what we do and no matter how we try there's still that disconnect because um i think the 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 part where that was supposed to be injected didn't happen so then it's just missing like there's just mm. a thing that's just missing um but then with my mom um and i i always feel like people have different relationships with mothers period you know mm. you you have that innate bond with your mother because you she was the portal that brought you into this realm mm -hmm. you know this this was your passageway this sure. and and you lived inside of her for a very long time. Sure. So we have that natural bond with our mother's period like no matter what your mom does that's still your mom. Mm -hmm. Um but 
yeah, growing up with a single mother who had to work crazy jobs, there were times when I pretty much lived on my own as a kid. Mm. You know, as a teenager, I absolutely spent a couple of years, um, I think in high school, for sure, living on my own. Sheesh. Yeah, I was I was living on my own. I was um, in our apartment. You know, my mom had to work a job where she lived at her patient's home. That's oh. the only way she could make enough money to afford apartment a regular that life. She don't even stay in. That she don't live in. She don't even know what that apartment looked like. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. And to have food. And this is not even a big luxurious life. It's a basic life yeah. in terms of luxuries, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that's a structure that, you know, a lot of families um, live through. Yeah. You know, it, it, I didn't know this, but um, majority of kids, according to uh, the Institute um According to the Institute of Family Studies, mm-hmm. when I read this, I was kind of like, are they sure? Because that's not how I see the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I had to really think of it and realize that I'm, I'm assessing the world from that area of life where I am coming from, a single mother who had to work excessively just to meet the basic necessities for us to survive. But the data says that most kids live with both biological parents. Really? More? More live with both parents mm-hmm. than not? Yeah. I feel like that's accurate. You're right. saying out of everyone in America, most families in America. Right. Okay. Right. But it did not feel true to me because I'm coming from a different world where I saw a lot of single parent homes. Mm. You know, Uh that was my, that was my environment. And it's so incredible how growing up in that space molds your mind and literally for your whole life will dictate how you interact in romantic relationships, Mm. how you interact with your kids, Mm -hmm. how you go to school. Mm -hmm. If you go to school, if you get good grades, if you go to college, if you get married, if you end up as a single parent, if you end up in poverty, if you're able to become wealthy, really, your health, and how soon you die. Whoa. Okay. So from the beginning, <laughs> if we, because that was a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So if we start from relationships, mm-hmm. how do you think? If you want to be specific, if you want to say, obviously, because you know your situation more than anyone. So mm-hmm. if you want to say specifically um, your situation, how do you think that has molded? how you view relationships, how you have viewed and how you view them now? Um, Well, first of all, going into a relationship when you're young, I think our first encounter with romance is usually young. Um, Usually, typically, um, maybe mid to late teens. 
And during that time, during your teenage years, you have not developed enough or experienced enough things to generate a perception um, that's bigger than what's happening in front of you. You know what I mean? So what was happening in front of me was a single mother working her butt off just to pay bills. And there were no luxuries in that. There were no vacations. There were no computers. Like all of these toys and all of these different things that, you know, my friends had. I never had those things. Um, I actually lived with a family member who had those things. And that's how I really became exposed to traveling and um, doing work on a computer instead of doing handwritten reports um, and also being in a uh, family um, structure where there's a spouse and kids. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, it was just me. Um, And then there was a time when it was just me and my brother. Um, And then there was a time when it was me, my mother and my brother. And that was chaotic. But coming from that, what happens is this is your reality. You see it. You understand it. Your brain processes that as the world. You know, this is my world. And when you get to the point of going into romantic situations and you're dating and whatnot. Um, And for me, I couldn't see past my world. I couldn't see, like I said, as a teenager, I didn't have enough experiences to offset what I already knew. Um, What was normal to me and what I understood was, okay, it's fine if you're in an unhealthy relationship it's fine if you end up with a baby and you're by yourself. Mm. It's perfectly okay if you don't get married simply because that doesn't really happen. Um, as opposed to saying, I don't want to get married because of, a, of, of an education, um, educational choice. Like I'm making this choice based on experience and um solid healthy perception you're pretty much be you're you're pretty much accepting being single being an unwed mother or um being a single mother simply because that's all you you know and and that's all i knew so that's what i accepted and i was okay with um you know being in these toxic relationships but Mm -hmm. the toxic relationship aspect wasn't just because i came from a a single mother um household there was a bunch of different components and elements that um, contributed to that but seeing these toxic marriages um the times when i did encounter them no offense to anybody but i cannot at all and i've thought of this for years so i know what i'm talking about i cannot tell you or mention one relationship that i've seen growing up that made me feel inspired to be married Mm. not one (laughs) that's crazy 
not one. And when I did, um, there is a, a couple that's coming to mind that um, I remember seeing them and I've just never seen a woman interact with a man like that. She was just very attentive, very soft, um, and always kind. I've never really seen that. Um, again, no offense to anybody, but this is my experience. Um, yeah. and this is how I perceived it. But watching them together, we will go to their house and I would think, wow, this is so sweet. Look how they're all into each other. And they've been married forever, decades of marriage. And look how they're so into each other. Fast forward, they broke up because he's had a, a, a relationship on the side the whole time or something like that. Yes. And again, here comes an, another moment where I'm like, see? <laughs> yeah. So it see? confirms everything that you've been already feeling. Yeah. Um, marriage sucks. You know, uh, <laughs> these relationships, they're, they suck and they're toxic. And um, there was a time when I did not want to have kids. There was a time when I did not want to be married because... I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, I can say that that was me trying to defend myself from not absolutely, yeah, ending up in in any type of um, toxic situations. But um, your family structure, whether both parents are there or not, it has a big role in whether you are successful in school. Um, I can say from my experience, I went through school on my own. Um, I really did not have, I can't remember times when people were sitting there with me doing homework. I can't remember that. Sheesh. Yeah, I cannot remember that. I don't know if it happened. If, if it did happen and I'm forgetting somebody, forgive me, I don't remember it. But yeah. um, I think just being on my own and doing certain things on my own so much um mm -hmm. it, it it probably just overshadows any kind of help that i might have gotten academically but then on top of it academically i was so good that uh -huh. um i guess people also felt like she got it like i've been i go through that now where i'm that strong friend that nobody checks on mm. um but i think i've been that strong kid that people also didn't check on. Wow. Yeah, I was. Um, and, and from a very, 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 very young age, I have had to kind of, uh, my, my therapist calls it parentified. She said that I was parentified. Um, mm. Basically taking on the responsibilities of an adult and um, having to do very adult things very young. Very Listen, young. I was 10 years old. <clears throat> Let me tell you this. I was 10 years old. <clears throat> hopping on a train. Hopping on the number two train from Flatbush, Brooklyn to Manhattan to hop to transfer to the F train to the last stop, 179th Street and Hillside Avenue in Queens, to pick up my mom's paycheck. Because at 10 years old. At 10 years old. I'm looking at my kid, he's nine. I'm looking at him now and I'm like, I can't. He couldn't even do it, right? I can't imagine him. But although that wasn't my responsibility, um, it it would 
there was no d- direct deposit. My mom couldn't even leave her job to go get her own check type of wow. setup. Yeah. Um, but people might look at this and say, why would she have her kid doing that or whatever? I think both my mom and I knew that I could do that. You know what I mean? She I was to check on you. No, I was that type <laughs> of kid. Um, yeah. And, you know, wh- when I got older, it dawned on me how that type of lifestyle affected me emotionally, uh, mentally, spiritually. But in the times when I was there, I was good. Mm. I, I, you know, I was a survivor. I was a fighter. Like I was born a, a warrior. So um, I knew how to maneuver. I was slick. I, as soon as I got that paycheck, um, I think someone saw me and they told my mom and they thought it was amazing and funny, but then kind of sad in a way that yeah. whenever I would get the check, I would fold it up and put it in my sock. Nobody told me to do that. You That's know? crazy. No one told me to do that. I put it in my sock, take the train and nobody saw, I don't know if people noticed me on that train, but came back to Brooklyn and I don't know, that's probably a four hour trip, but, um, mm-hmm. I'm telling that story as an example of how developed and advanced I was. And then coming from Guyana too, I was pretty independent. Um, I feel like kids in Guyana are way more independent than kids here by freaking far. Um, And it blows my mind every time I go back and just see how these kids are self-sufficient and they're washing their own clothes and they're cooking and they're doing all these amazing things. I love it. But then when you come here, the kids are so sheltered. You know, and, and then there's way more crime here. There are kidnappings and all types of crazy yeah. things here. So kids are super sheltered and um, guarded all the time, um, which I also feel kind of um, is a disadvantage in a way because I Absolutely. see, yeah, I see how that early independence um, helped me. But um, And I was going to go into, because it sounds like you and I have completely different stories completely almost completely opposite Opposite. yeah yes so um i was raised in a house with both my parents and um it's so funny like when you say the thing about 10 years old i I feel the same way like at 10 years old i i wasn't doing any of that stuff i (laughs) was just having fun I, i was just having fun i was being a kid kid yeah but um i feel like you you were um you were that way because you really had no choice. Yeah. Your mom's working, you know, you, you got to make moves. You got to do what you got to yeah. do. I had always had the option and the freedom and the comfortability to just be a kid. Yeah. My parents always took care of everything. I never really had to feel responsible to go do, you know, adult things or, you know, you know, like, um, just be that more mature child. Yeah. So like, it, it's so funny how, um, that that family structure, how it, it it differs in that way, and it makes it it really does make the, all the difference. I do feel like, um, I do feel like, you know, like I did even as growing up. I guess when I got older, um, I I started to. I guess I think it really just depends on the timing. So how you were, you know, doing those mature things at at 10 years old, it just took me longer, or maybe I won't even say longer. It took me the appropriate time 
to get to to do those things and to get to that point because I was like like I said able to live out my childhood so I just did I started to do those things at a way later age because I had that you know my my parents really like I said took care of everything but um I I kind of do feel like we still I don't know but it did shift everything cuz I was going to say we it seems like we kind of we, because me and you agree on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So I was gonna say, me and you, it seems like we kind of have the same mindset now. Mm-hmm. But my family structure did shift, and I think that's probably why. Because I feel like if my parents stayed together, and I did see that loving marriage for my my whole life, I might still have the mindset to be like, oh, marriage is cool. Mm. and you know these couples think but because i saw that shift and i'm like all right this thing ain't so cool no more so at what point did that shift happen like how far into um, your I life was older i was definitely older i was at least i was in my 20s mm-hmm. um but it was so drastic mm-hmm. that i think it's like traumatic because I think it was drastic because it's been happening for a while and it just showed up yeah, for it, but it's probably been happening for a while. But to me, it's just it just felt like it right. punched me exactly out of nowhere because, like I said, for my whole life, I've been seeing ah, da 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 mm-hmm. happily married, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, and I've been seeing like other because I don't, I think it was like I said, we had the complete opposites. So I don't know too many people who only have one parent. I grew up with a lot of people having both parents in their house. And so. um, to, to, to jump on that, when you and I initially had this conversation, you, you raised an excellent point. Um, and the, what you said was, um, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn. Um, I spent a little bit of time in Queens. But um, you said, and, and, and you mostly was Long Island, right? Yeah, I was um, born, I usually say born and raised in Queens. So I was in Queens from birth till 12. And then I moved to Long Island for the rest right. of my life. So, um, and then in Queens, did you, were you, did you guys live in an apartment or did you own a home? No, we lived in a house. Okay. So see, yeah. that's a, that's another thing, right? Uh-huh. Um, the, the point that you raised earlier is that when you live in certain areas, you need two incomes to survive. Yeah, yeah. And I think coming from an impoverished place, mm-hmm. and hence why my mom had to work the way she did, Yeah, you know, pulling in the, the, the income that could afford us to just get food and yeah, pay just bills. Just get by, yeah. Right. So... Um, we probably wouldn't have survived on Long Island um, unless we were in the hood, 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 Long Island, mm-hmm. which is not even a whole lot. Um, there aren't that many yeah. hood, hood, hoods um, on Long Island. For the most part, you you seem to need um, multiple incomes to survive. Sure. And that's probably another reason why people stick it out. Yes, I, th- I think that was a big part of it um, because... Like I said, uh, we, that's all I knew. All I knew was having two parents. All I knew was living in houses. Well, 
I only lived in two houses, but all I li- knew was living in a house. And, um, you know, we only knew the comfortability. And I think my parents, uh, that was their motivation to keep us comfortable, to make sure that we had the best, not the best things, because I didn't go to the best schools and all of that, but uh, make sure that we were comfortable. Right. And, um, uh, dang, what was I going to say? Um, oh, even, even us moving, what I was, even us moving from Queens was because of that reason, because Queens started to get to a place where it was starting to become uncomfortable. It was getting, we were growing and it was becoming a little too hood. Wild. A little too crazy. Yeah. We ended up getting our house completely robbed, empty. And part of Queens is that Jamaica? Jamaica. Mm. Yeah. So then they were like, okay, yeah, it's time to go. It's time to go. We got to keep them comfortable. So what about school? Like, how can I can tell you how my family structure affected me in school? Um, I was always a straight-A student. Coming from Guyana, I was always at the top of my class, always. Then coming to New York, um, I, it, was, it was still all good. Like, I had so many encounters um, with people on, in, on the outside, like in school. And um, one of the biggest fights that I ever had um, in school was a was a dude who was well known around to be some kid criminal. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when people heard that I had a fight with this guy, they were like, "You had a fight with him? Wow! And you beat him? <laughs> <laughs> and you beat him? Oh snap! Yeah, because yeah, I pulled some tricks to get that done. Um, <laughs> but but this this dude um, kicked me in my back. First of all, he called mm-hmm. me a bitch, which I don't condone. Um, and even to this day, I don't condone calling women bitches, but um, you'll see that it started from when I was a kid. I was 10 years old and this dude called me a bitch and it was fire, like all hail fire on his ass. Um, but I'm bringing that up because there was no protection for me. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I was out there doing what I had to do in the world. And did my mom, my mom can't tell you how many fights I had and what type of trouble I got into because um, I was already mature and independent enough to figure out how to get out of everything. And I did um, without it having to get to her. And I also looked at it like my mom is doing a lot for us. There's no reason why she should be coming to schools about this type of stuff yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and I was also even thinking on that level, but um, school was okay in terms of academics and my grades. But the moment I got to high school, that's when things started to get crazy. Like, I think the emotional stuff, that's when I started mm-hmm. um, going through depression. That's when I started like doing things that were super destructive. I think high school had to have been <clears throat> maybe the hardest, um, the hardest chapter in my life because as a teenager, you need guidance. You're confused. This sure. is when you're gathering information and really trying to figure things out. Um, but for me, it was, I have to figure this shit out on my own and go to school. And the culture that I come from, people say, you're, you're young. You don't have any problems. What's your problem? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was just walking around depressed all the time. I think the whole four years I've just been going through a depression and then ultimately, 
um, at 17, I dropped out. Um, wow. Yeah, I just stopped going. And um, I don't even think my mom knew when I stopped going to school. <laughs> and you were, um, you were the oldest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a younger brother. And um, for the most part, um, I kind of became a mom to him, you know, just taking wow. care of him and um, being super protective of him and um, just always being the mom sister. But uh, yeah, I, I dropped out of high school and I ended up um, getting a GED. And it's so crazy that when I went to Kingsborough Community College uh, to get my GED and I was going through the classes, um, I had an instructor who I guess is just not conscious enough to understand like shit happens in life, but she was like, you do so well. Why did you drop out? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and at that time, I don't think I had the words, but though I did find the words and it's really that, you know, being smart and um, being great academically is not enough to survive school you need support you need guidance you need people behind you even if it's not your parents uh and i yeah. didn't have it i didn't have yeah. i didn't even have the people on the outside I, I had family members who supported me um my aunt especially has always been um 100 there for me but sometimes you need support in certain ways that nobody can give you but your parents you know yeah. um and i just simply didn't have it and went through that depression and um didn't know i was depressed at the time but i just knew that i just wasn't okay you know you ever seen that movie dangerous minds yes but i think i saw it too long ago to remember yeah it's like it was like that same thing the girl was i think there was one girl she was so smart but she had she had a single mom she um was being raised by a single mom and all of this and she had to leave school and the teacher went to her house it's like this girl's so smart why does she you have to keep her in school she like she don't need no school she need to be i remember that i'm sorry to bring that up but that no, just reminded no, no, no. me of that I'm like oh you, you know what i have to watch that nah, now i have to watch that movie what, michelle because... pfeiffer Yes, yeah. it was Michelle Pfeiffer. I do remember that now. I do remember that. And yes, it does resonate because we've had those little moments where teachers are like, what's happening? You know, what's going on yeah. with you? Um, you know, I'm 16 years old. No, no, I'm 17 years old. 16. Yes, yeah, 16, 17 years old. Um, smoking weed before I go to school. Oh, sheesh. Yeah. Wake up in the morning, roll up, smoke. Um, and... I just needed that to get through the day because not mm -hmm. only um, did I have this void where it comes when it came to family and not only was I going through everything I was going through emotionally, but then once I got inside the school, that was a whole other can of worms yeah, that yeah. opened up every morning. It was if you think you think you had trouble with your feeling connected with your parents and kids don't give a fuck. No, they don't. And, <laughs> they don't um, give a fuck. Yeah. Growing up in the nineties, meaning, um, the nineties, Brooklyn, um, East 96, East 95, those places, not, um, 1990s, but, um, oh. <laughs> and that too, that too. Yeah, um, yeah. but growing up in that part of Brooklyn and then going to Wingate high school, um, granted, I didn't go to Wingate too long because I came from another, high, I came from Far Rockaway High School 
and um, went to Wingate for a little while. There was so much crime. There was, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in the school. People were getting hurt. There was like, crazy. it was, it was a lot to deal with. Um, so then once I got there, I was like, yo, I don't want to be here. The teachers are no good. Um, that school doesn't even exist anymore, by the way. They um, broke it up and I guess it it's too crazy. privately owned now. Um, you know how New York went through this whole charter. New York City uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. went through the whole um, charter uh, school transition thing. But um, yeah, that was my experience. And I know for sure that your family structure affects your grades. Your family structure affects um, whether or not you go to college. I read the data. Sure. It's a fact. And I, I lived it. So I know it's true. Um, so you didn't go to college? No, I, I attempted to. Um, I registered. Uh, I registered. Um, I can't even remember what age that was, but um, I started going to Long Island University. I got accepted to that Brooklyn campus. Um, and I was doing excellent, right? Um, it was excellent. It was an excellent experience because I love, I actually love school. <laughs> mm. I actually like school. I actually love learning. I love, um, and I think I also had this ego thing with, with self-esteem and because school was the place where I excelled the best. Um, that was probably why, but, um, yeah, I ended up dropping out because it was just too much. It was just too much going on. And, you know, on those days when you wake up and you're having certain family pressures or certain family drama or certain family issues, it's like, fuck it. I don't want to go. And I don't have to go because nobody's pushing me and nobody's holding me accountable Mm. and nobody's supporting me. So fuck it. And um, I think I did that so many times that I ended up just not going back at all. Um, But over the years, I ended up, you know, figuring out, okay, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur. I never wanted to work for anybody anyway. Um, Even as a kid, I knew I wasn't going to work for anybody. Um, I don't think there was ever a time when I I aspired to have a job. But anyway... um, over the years, I figured out, okay, I'm going to do this type of business. This is what I need to learn. And I took courses. I went to little schools here and there that um, I could get certificates or diplomas and stuff like that. But for the most part, nope, I did not graduate college, did not graduate high school, did not graduate college. That is um, crazy. And people wouldn't that, think that. People would no, never. No, because I didn't know that. And I would not think that because the way that you carry yourself I mean, not to say you're not ed- educated, but, yeah. it, you know, you, you seem like you went to you yeah. finish high school. You got your bachelor's yeah. and your doctorate. Like you walk like you have a doctorate. Yeah. People, I mean, people say that all the time. Um, I even uh, one night I was working um, at my mom's bar and um, this guy said to me, uh, what college did you go to? Because I was studying, actually. Um, I was in the back of the bar, um, in a corner studying. Uh, I don't remember wow. what I was studying, but I, I was were you in a bar studying? because I was managing. Oh, so okay. I wasn't actually working, working. I was a manager at a, a bar. Um, when my mom owned a, a bar that's no longer existing, but, um, I was managing it and, uh, I was in the back studying and he's like, what, what college did you go to? And, um, yeah, I could tell that you, probably have a master's and whatever. And I'm like, based on what? Um, everything that you're seeing here is um, 
mostly self-made. Everything that you wow. are experiencing is mostly self-made. And uh, it really came from always having a love of learning, period. Yeah. You know? Um, mm-hmm. But don't get me wrong. Emotionally, mentally, I'm bruised up. You know, I'm banged up. And um, that's why I make sure that I, in 2019, I started seeing a therapist. I started because it's like I can do all of these things. I'm super talented. I'm super creative. I can do things that touch people and create greatness and whatnot. But then on the inside, there always comes a time when I have to go through this really dark period and then just wait it out and then get back to the light. And I was just tired of going through that roller coaster. And I know it's because of old unresolved things that um, I just cannot figure out how to resolve because they happened when I was a child yeah, um, and you know, things that imprinted you picked. Yeah. You. Imprinted. Exactly. Mm. Um, so um, here we are today, you know, I do go through uh, my roller coaster stuff where I'm on this high, everything is great. I'm happy jumping around, making things happen. And then there comes a time um, whether it's triggered by events or I don't know what triggered. I'll just go down and have that moment. And, and don't get me wrong. I function like I will move around and do what I have to do. And you have no idea that I'm depressed. You know what I mean? But, um, well, I I always say it's never about, um, going through those things and even to, you know, uh, getting your therapy and healing. It's not about completely, being a hundred percent it's not about getting rid of these things that have happened in your traumas it's about dealing with them and managing and making sure that you're still able to like you said move and and do do the things that you do because you can't change what has happened to you you can't you know you can't erase your history so those things are always going to be with you they're always going to be your thoughts and your experiences and you got to figure out all right how do i manage them how do i wake up every morning and say okay that happened it 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 is what it is how how am I going to move forward in today to make sure that I progress exactly uh you you hit the nail on the head that's exactly what it is you know going to therapy really offered me um tools Mm -hmm. to um get through everything because you know like you said those things don't go away they stay with you um you just have to learn how to cope and learn how to um, get by every day, but um, you know the data, the numbers are out there, and the studies show that um, kids who are raised by single parents don't do as well as kids who are raised um, uh-huh. in a household where both biological parents are there. Even kids with a step parent don't do as well. Um, they do better than kids who. Um, are raised by step um, by single parents, but they don't do as well as kids whose parents are married. Um, if you grow up in a household where both of your parents were there and they were married, you're higher likely, you're high likely, you're highly likely um, to get married as well. And um, 
if you grow up in a household with a single mother, you have a higher chance of being a single mother. I'm a single mother. Um, I'm a single mother. But I think um, going back to how this conversation started, um, all of the things that I've done for my son and making sure that, you know, he has all of these opportunities and he can realize his dreams and really jump into his potential, whatever that is. Um, it's really because of my experiences and I, I, I am conscious of how it's affected me. And I just want to make sure that I am offsetting something. I know for sure that, you know, the fact that my son's dad and I are not together and, you know, we don't live together and stuff like that, we barely get along. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that that's going to be a challenge for my son. Yeah, sure. I know that, but what I try my best to do is make sure that when he's in my realm, when he's with me, he's good. So when that challenge does show up for him, um, at least he has tools that his mom offered him um, to process that stuff in a healthy way and really get to the other side of it. What would you, um, because, and kind of to, I feel like the way that you are today has, Obviously, it's all because of all those things that you went through. And um, I feel like subconsciously, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like subconsciously your mom has transferred that to you because you had to grow up seeing her just going to get it. And I mean, like, so I feel like that has transferred into you when you just like, all right, no, I got to make things happen. I got to go and get it. And I mean, like, no matter what the case is. That's exactly but, what it was. Would you have preferred, do, would you like, if you could change things, would you have preferred to have that, you know, both parents, white picket fence, or no. do you like having to go through <laughs> the, the mud? Um, um, I don't want this to be misconstrued. I don't want this to be taken the wrong way, but I have to be blunt about it. Um, that would not have worked with the parents that I have. Um, my father wasn't there, um, for a lot of reasons that we figured out. Um, but you know, based on how he operates and how he, um, goes about doing things, I can see why the universe felt that it was, um, beneficial for me to not have him there doing those, during those years. Mm -hmm. I needed to not have that type of father experience, um, to become this person that I am today. And, um, there were a lot of times when I wasn't protected. There were a lot of battles that I had to fight on my own, a lot of pain, abuse, different things, uh, that I've had to do to survive. Um, and during those times, I felt alone, like, damn, you know, where, where are my people? But then today, uh, when things pop up, I know how to knock things down and, and keep it pushing um, uh-huh. and, and survive. But um, maybe I would have been um, in a different space had both of my parents been there. But um, based on the people that brought me here i first of all my mom and dad are so different i I, they would not get along Mm -hmm. at all like i don't even know i don't even see them having breakfast together (laughs) 
Wow. My mom and dad are so different. There's no way that they would get along. So that would have probably been a thing. You know what I mean? But um, you know what? I am so blessed and I am so grateful for my experiences because now we have the Nola Row Experience podcast. Not saying okay. that the podcast is the, the, the cherry on top of everything, <laughs> but I feel grateful that I have a story or stories and experiences yes. that I can speak on that touch other people. Um, and that's uh-huh. what's been happening. I personally love, like, I have a little bit of like of a, of uh, an obsession with like those type of stories. Like, even listening to your story now, I'm just like, because mm. <laughs> <laughs> you like uh, juice. I like juice, and I like I like to hear like the struggle and like people yeah. went through things. Yeah, and um, it it motivates me, and it it and it, it inspires me. Um, and it's almost like. You know, it's almost like, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's like looking at anyone. It's like looking at a, a celebrity and be like, oh, Michael Jordan, he had to do all of this stuff to get where he is. Yeah. I mean, and you, you using that to to propel you to where you need to be. Yeah. So I I, I, I mean, I do have my like my stories, but um, I love so part of me feels like, damn, I wish I wish it was a little harder. I wish mm-hmm. I had a little bit of a more of a struggle. <laughs> yeah. Um, because. I feel like that would have made me more of a, like a motivated go getter type of person, yeah. even though I've, you know, obviously I've done my thing and I've, I've, you know, gone many places and done many things. Yeah. But I feel like, um, I, a lot of times I have, because I'm used to the comfortability, a lot of times I can get settled in right. that comfortability. Comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. I can get, quickly easily slip into fall that back zone. into it because yes. you're familiar with it but don't get it twisted mail it listen to uh-huh. this yes it does take a lot to get there but look at how many celebrities and how many you know um and i'm just mentioning celebrities because these are the people that we usually all know of right yeah. because it happens uh-huh. to everyday people all the time but the suicides and the depression and the anxiety and um, not being able to live up to those pressures, a lot of times that's because your life has been so draining. Oh, my goodness. That you get to a point where you're like, you know what? Fuck it. I am. I've been going through too much. I can't do it anymore. And I just work hard to make sure that I am never in that mind space because Based on everything that I've gone through, I know for sure that if I don't take care of myself, if I don't heal, that would be me. I know it. That's so crazy. This whole week, I've been listening to this song by CeeLo called mm. Robin Williams. Really? If you've, if you've no. never heard this song, no. go check it out. Wow. Yo, this song is so crazy. It's like, I, I don't know if the the song is really good and you know, obviously CeeLo is awesome, mm-hmm. but just when 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 you when i was listening to the song and i'm thinking about robin williams i'm just like it blows my mind how much laughter he's brought everybody how amazing does this man seem from the outside yeah how happy does he seem he seems like he is like the in the always in the most the the best mood he loves to make people laugh he seems like he laughs a lot and to know that this man was struggling to the point where he said he doesn't want to live anymore. Yeah, that because blows my mind. It's also exhausting having to exude that energy. Yeah. To offer that to other people. 
that's and also all, I'm pretty something sure all the time he's like just like yes he it's exhausting it's exhausting and then when you become a celebrity or a person in the public eye a public figure it's also exhausting because you constantly have to live up to something you constantly ha- yeah. especially if you're an entertainer and you're expected to to bring people joy or laughter mm-hmm. when do you get a chance to say yo i'm sad yeah i'm not happy You've i have a lot of him say that You've yo seen an interview of him saying yeah i don't feel good today or nothing he's just yeah. always making jokes always doing impressions and oh man so this whole conversation is about you know family structure and how it affects you yeah um as an adult because you know how you grow up as a child if you did not get the memo by now it will show up as an adult and mm-hmm. You, if you're a person interested in healing yourself, if you're a person who's persistent on making sure that you resolve old conflicts or issues, old trauma, old pain, you will know that that's a lifelong process. So everything that you've gone through as a kid, as a teenager, sometimes it takes you the rest of your life to resolve it, but it's so worth it because the alternative is sitting in it and just continuously sinking into some unknown abyss of pain (laughs) you know um so what i also want to do is encourage people um who don't really value or don't really understand the enormity of conceiving a child and bringing whole entire humans into this world not understanding who you are where you are and what you're going to do mm-hmm. you unintentionally set these people on these paths where they have mm-hmm. to struggle yes now granted you know life is not all about skipping through a field of flowers and whistling that's not mm-hmm. what life is all about and we do learn and we do become strong from adversities but if you can decrease or alleviate some of that for your kid so that they have a better chance of becoming successful, do Uh, that. And if that shit means holding out on having a baby, if that shit means wearing a condom, if that shit means staying in a marriage. (laughs) No, I only say that because this I is, believe this is where the car crashes. <laughs> I only say that because I believe that that's what my parents did. Yeah, I don't think you should ever stay in an unhappy situation for your kids. I don't know if it was. Um, you see, you see, I, that's the thing. I don't know if it was an unhappy situation. I think it I was think unhappy it, if they split. Somebody no, I think wasn't it was. Happy. I think it was like, all right. I don't think it was like unhappy, but it was like, all right, we did. We're here. Because I, uh, there was love in the beginning. I feel like at some point it went off and it was like, I think they were saying like, all right, we're, we're here. We set, we built this thing. We have to ma- see it through. Mm. And I mean, it was like, let's do what we have to do because it mm. could have been, it, I could have been 12 or 10 or 11 I mean, or five when they just were like, all right, it's not working. We out. Yeah. But, I but you can extra, do that. You can do that and not stay in the relationship. I think it's way healthier to show your kids 
that their mental health and their happiness comes first uh-huh. because so many people stick it out in marriages, but then the kids still end up a little screwy dewy because now you're seeing people who not saying this was the case with your parents at all, yeah. but um, in general, you know, watching, let's say a girl, I'm speaking from my perspective because I'm a girl. Um, but let's just say a, a girl looking at her mother put up with a, a father who doesn't treat her well, yeah. you know, or he doesn't do right by her in whatever way you're learning, you know, this is Absolutely. your, this is how you're learning how to interact in relationships and, and be with a man. Yeah. Um, but then to see your mother say, you know what, this is not healthy for me. I don't want to be here. I am leaving. But then still have those parents collaborate in a healthy way to keep raising those kids. Absolutely. I agree with that way more than, you know, being in a marriage where we're both miserable, probably have a side piece or three. Yeah, that's a different story. Yeah. And, a, and <laughs> yeah, like you said, it, it, it just it depends on, you know. Your what you what your what type of energy your energy you're giving off to your children Absolutely. and to yourself. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you like you're in because I've been in relationships and in situations where I'm like, all right, um, um, we're here. I wanna I wanna do I wanna exhaust our options. I mean, I I don't wanna be like I'm out at the first sight of blood. I want to exhaust the options to see if we can make this, see this through and make it work. Same. And if we can, let's do it. If we can't, then let's do that too. Yeah. Same. But if you're in the situation, you know, by any means, like if you're in that situation where you're unhappy, you're fighting, you're, you know, doing this stuff in front of these, in front of your kids, you're just really making everything worse for everybody, yourself, your children, the lineage, all of that. I agree. And, and, and I, I like that you said lineage because mm-hmm. we pass these things down forever, right? Like whatever it is that I'm going through now um, has absolutely been in my family way before my, even my mother was born. Sure. Um, and even um, I said it in the launch uh, during the launch event, I spoke with a psychic. She was telling me about things that were happening in my family way before I was born. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, how even- Where you say the psychic was? L.A. Ooh. L.A. She was near uh, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. That's uh, a restaurant that my bestie at the time thought um, you have to go to Roscoe's and have it. But that's when I ate meat. So I had the waffles and the chicken. So good. But um, yeah, we 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 vegans cool. now. You heard? Yeah. But um, yeah, man. Um, not everybody is meant to be a parent. Not everybody should, I don't think people, everybody should have kids, man. People keep mm-hmm. pushing that on each other. When are you going to have kids? When are you going to give your, your son a sister? Yeah, yeah. You don't know what type of mental <laughs> stuff I'm going through to even make it through this day. You want me to put yeah. another person into it? Like, chill. Yeah, yeah. Family structure is important. Um, I think we all need to be super conscious about that. I think like that was your point about, you know, having babies and stuff. We need to be super conscious about before we bring them here, um, before we create new families and when we do create new families, how we're going about that, how we're um, planting the seeds and how we're tending to those seeds as they grow. Because like you said in the very beginning, um, 
we're creating thousands and thousands of human beings. So from one, from one seed, from one birth, there will be thousands after that. Yeah, that one night of Humpty Dumpty. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, you got to be super conscious about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, this is a a deeply spiritual thing as well. You know, we really take it for granted, man. I don't think we think deeply enough about what creating another human really is. You're literally just having sex one moment and then Mm. somewhere down the road, a person is created. That's Mm. incredible. You're doing like the highest level of work yeah in this world by creating another person and i think we just run around and treat it like it's nothing you know um and then in turn create like a a line of pain generations and generations of uh struggling and pain um Mm. and that and that cycle i think that it's it's um all of our duties and i and um i believe that is super possible because you know that if there has been a line of pain and you know, torment and trauma that has been passed down and passed down. Somebody has to make the decision and be like, it stops here. Yeah. And, and that somebody, um, has definitely been me. Um, and when you, yeah, when you take on that job, be prepared, you're going to go through some shit. You're going to have to go back, resolve things that they have. Yeah. Trust me. It's a lot, but, um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Who, did all types of work for us he knew that you know what he was doing wasn't for him he knew that Mm -hmm. that would be for us so um there are so many things that i do to heal myself because my grandmother's dna is still in me and i feel like if i heal my dna i'm healing her Mm. and um my my grandkids and my great great grandkids and my great 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 i want my great 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 grandkids to say yo you know who i'm related to yeah. Nola Rowe. And people are going to be like, what? That was your great, 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 great grandmother? Like, she's not even your grandmother anymore. You're not even related to her. It's too many greats. Um, but um, um, that's what I aspire to do to make sure that, you know, whatever I create is intentional. And mm-hmm. if I do um, uh, create a family structure, which I still have not done, um, uh, once it's done, it's intentional and it's not just because I have a void. It's not just because um, it was missing and I really want to have it. It's a, it's going to be intentional and it's going to absolutely make sense. And um, I think I think I have the guy for that. Oh, you're so annoying. You're <laughs> so, the fuck was that? Oh, that was beautiful. Wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for sharing. You shared a lot today that I did not know about you. And um, it uh, is very telling and um, super inspirational, like I mentioned before. Thank you. Thank you. Um, That's my experience. This is the Nola Rowe Experience podcast. You are my experience and I'm super excited to be yours. Please come back. Y'all come back, all right? Come back. Don't leave us out here. Listen, my son looked at my YouTube channel because I was on the um, laptop just looking at the YouTube and he walked in. He's like, Mom, you're a YouTuber. That's crazy. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I'm not a YouTuber. Like, I just started this page (laughs) two weeks ago. So he's like, this is him. How many subscribers do you have? Only 23. 
Oh, he was so disappointed. Like, we just started, bro. Give me a chance. Like, I'm a bum. <laughs> so, y'all, please come out here. Y'all disappointed my son, man. Word. Subscribe to the Subscribe YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. We're on Instagram. We're on um, Facebook. I usually forget to mention Twitter because I'm just not a tweeter. Me neither. But, um, I got to get back yeah, into it. Though. Pull up on Twitter as well. All social networks, all social platforms. Um, thank you for listening. We love you. Much love. Peace. Come back. Come back.